Now, I said I was going to ask you a question when we closed last week. How many of you have had a worry-free week? <laughs> I put a little cliche up here on the board. I don't know if you've read it about worrying. It says the only result of worrying about tomorrow is that you will be unhappy and stressed today. <laughs> and I believe that is true beyond any question or any doubt. Worrying about tomorrow, has anybody, has anybody ever got any benefits out of that? And worrying about tomorrow does not help and it does not change tomorrow. And it only puts you under stress and keeps you unhappy today. So I'm encouraging you again, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. See? You know, another scripture we didn't mention last week, God said, boast not thyself of tomorrow. You know not what a, the Lord might come tonight. So, uh, and hopefully he will. All right, if you got your Bible, let's open to chapter 16. We're going to conclude the, uh, the contents of the ark, which you're aware there was four of them in there. Basically, we majored on three of them because two of them are, are kind of synonymous. But our first lesson, we went through the pictures of New Testament truth, which in more practical words were pictures of Christ. The manna pictured Christ, the bread of life, the budding rod pictured Christ, our resurrection, and the tablets pictured Christ in two ways. He fulfilled the law for us, what the law could not do, he did for us, and then it also pictured that the tablet, the word of God at that time, the only thing that was written was put into the ark, a place of safekeeping, and it pictures that God in eternity past had determined that he was going to preserve his word. And he has done that still here, what, 3,500 years later. I've still got a copy of the word of God that Moses wrote in the Sinai Desert over 4,000 years ago. Uh, and it's word for word. You know, God has preserved his word. There's no other book in the world anywhere that can equal the word of God. Then the second lesson we studied last week were pictured Christ our provider. Uh, God was our resource. He provides all our needs. We won't look at the scripture, but God has promised. I will supply all of your needs according to my riches in glory. God's done that. How many years did God provide for Israel in the Sinai Desert in the wilderness where there was nothing? there else other than God's provision. Forty years he was faithful. According to the scriptures, and I'm sure it's true, he did not miss one day making sure that they had food to eat on their table. Most of y'all are somewhere between your 50s and your 70s. How many of you have uh, gone without eating? How many of you have overeaten? Uh, God's good. Amen. Uh, he also pictured uh, as a provider, our Redeemer. Uh, he redeemed us from the curse of the law, and he said, uh, He that believeth on me shall never die. And then he's Christ our righteousness. He fulfilled the law for us in Romans 10. I've got all those scriptures. We're going to look. This is the third and final lesson on the contents of the ark. And I've, I've listed them there as three warnings to Israel. Now, all three of these warnings also apply to you and I. And we need to be, I think, uh, aware of it. We need to keep it in mind to violate these three articles and what they picture in God's warning to Israel is for you and I to say, I don't really trust God. 
to do what he said he was do. Now, we don't like to vocalize that, but that's what we're saying when we don't trust God. But let's look at those uh, <clears throat> three areas, and we go back to, you know, the, the contents of the ark were what? There was a golden pot of manna, and that manna was what God provided from heaven. The Bible says it came down from heaven. And that was their daily food for that day and for every day for 40 years after that, God provided. Let's look at, uh, that's the one we'll look at first, Exodus chapter 16. <clears throat> for time's sake, I won't read from verse 1 down to verse 8, but in that is summarizing it up. <clears throat> Well, look at verse 4. God said, Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no, or whether they will be obedient or not be obedient. So God promised that he was going to provide food for them on a daily basis. And y'all know we covered some of it last week. He said for six days in the week, when you go out and gather your manna, you gather only what you and your family can eat that day. Do not harvest more than that. Uh, On the seventh day, the day before the seventh day, you harvest enough for two days so you won't go out and work on the seventh day, which was contrary to the law. In spite of that, what did they do? They went out and gathered too much, and God caused it to rot, and the stench, and the worms came on it. Look down in verse 8. And Moses said, This shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to be full, for that the Lord heard your what? murmurings which you murmured against him and what are we your murmurings are not against us but against the Lord they were murmuring let me put it in a better word they were complaining about what God was doing and how God was treating them they didn't like it they wanted something different they wanted something better it might have been they wanted to lay it up in store so they knew that they wouldn't be stressed are y'all with me that that was a show that was a demonstration of what a lack of faith that God would do what he said he would do you know I preached on faith promise for 40 years or more than that around the country around here and people have said what is what does it really mean to live by faith it means one thing it means that I believe God will do what he said he'd do now, it can, you can spread it out and make it a fuzzy green monster that nobody understands, but that's what it boils down to. If I'm living by faith, I am believing that God will do what he said he was going to do. <clears throat> uh, God had instructed them of what to do, and uh, God instructed them how much to pick up and how not to, much to, did not to pick up. But look down in verse number 19, and we'll just read it for record's sake. <clears throat> And Moses said, let no man leave it till the morning. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Notwithstanding, 
They hearkened not unto Moses, but some of them left it until the morning, and it bred worms and stank, and Moses was wroth with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. And it came to pass that on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. I'm just surmising. I'm not sure this happened. But when it said they came and told Moses, I imagine they're telling him, said we gathered it up for two days and it stayed good. It didn't rot like it did the day before. And they were seemingly amazed that God would do what he said he'd do. But God provided for them and it pictures, it pictures a warning for, for them and it pictures a warning for you and I. Now, we read over just a minute ago, but turn back the page, if you're in Schofield, chapter 16 and verse 4. God tells us what the purpose was this. Now, God doesn't have any problem, I think, with you and I today going to the grocery store and buying enough to put in the pantry for a week or whatever you buy. God's not raining down bread from heaven today, but God does still expect you and I to trust him to provide for us for our daily needs. Now you say, uh, somebody, could it rain down manna from heaven today? Sure it could. Uh, In preaching on faith promise, a lot of times living by faith, I've said, uh, you know, people uh, say, well, we need to plan, we need to do this, we need to do that, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, they say, Brother Ernest, money money don't grow on trees. It would if God wanted to. Yeah. If God needed it to, God grow money on trees. God just doesn't do that in this day and time. But he does, he has not changed that he wants you and I today to do what? The just shall live by faith. That's said four times in the scriptures. I uh, won't go into those before, but, but God warns us. Now, why did he do this? Look in verse 4. Then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. The people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day. Underline the next phrase. That I may prove them. So that I can find out. Not, No, no, I'm sorry. He didn't do it that he could find out. He did it so they could find out. That they were carnal. They were lacking of faith. They weren't living by faith. He said to prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. Well, God already knew that. I think I told a story one time in here before. I was preaching at Eastside Baptist Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Greenwood, South Carolina. A good friend of mine, was he's not pastor there now, but he was back then. He'd just gone through a terrible trial. And he said, I believe God put me through that trial so he could find out what I was made of. I said, oh, no. God didn't do that. He said, oh, sure he did. I said, no, no, no. God already knows what you made of, Brother Cooper. He put you through that trial so you'd find out what you made of, and you're not made out of as good a stuff as you thought you were. <laughs> and none of us are, amen? God already knows, and God knew about Israel, and God knows about who else? Goes about doing me. And God wants us to walk by faith, to prove to ourselves that we will have peace of God in our heart, that God will do what he said he would do. Are you all with me? If we'll do that, that won't happen. 
we won't worry about tomorrow and be stressed and unhappy today. If we will believe that God will do what he said he would do. Now, we've looked at scriptures before, and I'm sure uh, we need to get to them very quickly. But uh, somebody turn to Hebrews 13.5 and read that. Uh, Brother T.L., will you read that for us back there? Hebrews 13.5. Conversations be without covetousness and be and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. All right, now you sum all that up. God said two things. He said, I will he said, learn to be content. That's hard to do, amen. The only way you can do it is add the rest of the phrase on there because God promised I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. When he said I'll never forsake you, God's our Heavenly Father. You're my children. He said, I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about it. Are you all with me? Paul said the same thing. Paul was, we hold Paul up highly exalted and rightly so, but he was lived in a body of flesh just like you are. He had the same problems you and I got. Don't, it's all common to man. The scripture says, Philippians 4.11, he said, I have what? Learned to be content. Brother, you have to work at that by staying in the word of God, letting God take the word of God and make it real to your heart, to your soul, to where you can say, I can trust God in all things and I'm not going to need anything because God what did David say I've never seen I'm now I'm, I've been young and now I'm old and I've never seen God's people begging bread and for 40 years in the wilderness Israel didn't have to ask for bread day or night they took care of it let's go to the second one here number two number one he warned them not to murmur and complain number two he warned them not to be disobedient to God's law or for you and I today we could declare it as God's word you know go back to go to Exodus chapter 19 Again, for time, we won't read all of it. It starts in verse 1. You know the whole build-up. They wanted to have uh, God to give them uh, the law. In verse 5, it says, Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenants, then you shall be a peculiar people unto me above all people of all the earth, of all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words that the Lord commanded them. He was talking about the law. Verse number 8, And all the people answered together and said, All that the law has spoken, all that the Lord has spoken, we will what? How long did that last? It didn't even last until Moses came down off of Mount Sinai with the law. When he went up on Mount Sinai to get the tablets that God wrote with his own finger, in that period of time while Moses was gone, they said, who is this guy Moses? And they made a golden calf, sinned against the Lord, went into idolatry in a matter of no more than a few days, and Moses came down, you know how he tossed the tablets. They said, we will do all that he tells us, and it... And the, those tablets were put in there as a warning, not, a, not only a warning, but a reminder to Israel that they were sinners before the Lord. 
all three of these items, it, it points out that they were a reminder that you are sinners and you need to be trusting in the Lord by faith in, in order to uh, uh, have your needs met. Uh, whatever it is down today is salvation. They didn't understand salvation, not as we did, but uh, Exodus chapter 32 uh, explains all that I just talked about, how the law was broken. But look in Deuteronomy chapter 31. We'll talk about what this was when it went into the ark. Deuteronomy 31 and verse number 24. <clears throat> On the manna, he said, I did this to prove you. Now look in verse 30, 24 of Deuteronomy 31. And it came to pass when Moses had any end of writing the words of the law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites that which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for what? A witness against thee. It kept pointing out that you're sinners, you're sinners, you're sinners, you're sinners, and you need God in control of your life, and you need to learn to trust God with all your heart and all your soul. Again, Proverbs says, What? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. You know what you know what the problem is with a lot of us today? We want to figure God out and put him in a test tube. That's not faith. God said, lean not to your own understanding. I talked to somebody this week. They had about 20 questions. They were trying to just, uh, dissect God and put him together like they wanted him put together so that they could wholly understand everything that God said in the Bible. I said, no man will ever... I said, you ought to thank God that you can't understand everything written in the Bible. Y'all understand that? If man could understand it, that would tell us what? Man wrote it. Anything man writes, some man can understand it. One of the very facts that testifies that this book is written by God and is inspired by God, is preserved by God, is the fact that you and I can't understand all of it. Again, if I could understand all of it, I could have written it. Are y'all? Am I communicating with y'all? Job said, can a man by searching find out God? The answer is no. And even the Lord said back over in the Old Testament, he said, uh, my ways are not your ways, and your ways are not my ways, and my ways are what? Past finding out. Right? How does God expect us to live? By faith. By faith. Oh, I know. You say, Brother Ernest, but. Uh, all right, let's look at the third one. We've got about 10 minutes, but it was God said to prove them. To be a reminder to them that they are to trust me to provide all their needs and live by faith. Then the law was to continually point out, and what is it, uh, Galatians 2 said, uh, it's a schoolmaster to remind you that you're sinners, that you're turned to God. And then number three, and this is serious, Israel was warned not to rebel against God's appointed leadership. Let's go to Numbers chapter 16. We see this happening frequently today, but it stems all the way back to the Old Testament. See if we can get this covered before our class time's up. <clears throat> Does everybody understand that 
Moses was God's prophet for that period of time. Does everybody understand that Aaron was the high priest of all the nation of Israel? He was the high priest that went into the Holy of Holies, made, made, made an atonement for his own self, make an atonement for the people of Israel once a year. He was there by what? The will of God. He didn't decide to be the, the, the high priest. He didn't even want to be the high priest if you study his life. God ordained him and God put him there as the high priest, appointed place of leadership. Is everybody on board? All right, look in Numbers chapter 16. Now Koran, the son of Ishar, and the son of Kohath, and the son of Levi, and Dathan, that's the second man, Koran, Dathan, and Abram, the third man, the son of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, and sons of Reuben, took men. So we got three men. Three men, Koran, uh, Dathan, and Abram. They rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princesses, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Y'all got the picture? Three men, three men put together a coalition against Moses and Aaron. And they enticed another three, 250 people to join them. And why did they do that? Verse number three, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves among the congregation of the Lord. They complained about God's ordained appointed leadership. They said, you take too much responsibility. You've exalted yourself. You said you're the only one that can make any major decisions around here. And that's not right. We're all holy, so we want to have a party in what goes on in Israel. Now, let me interject this. Back to the design of the tabernacle. Seven times God said what? Make it after the pattern that I showed you. And I, I, I emphasize this two or three times. <clears throat> three things. God said, Moses, I'm not leaving anything to your discretion concerning how this is done. Number two, I'm, I'm not giving leadway or opening to the workmen as skilled as they are. I'm not giving them any opportunity or any opening at all for them to change the design of what I'm giving you. I've showed it to you. Do it like, and number three, he said, I'm leaving nothing whatsoever up to what? the desires of the people. Brother, we're to worship God exactly like God wants us to worship Him and God's got a plan. Amen? And here these men rose up and said, well, we're all holy. We're all just like you are and everything. You're just taking too much responsibility. So they formed a uh, a coup, so to speak, against him. And Moses, of course, rebuked him. <clears throat> Look down in verse 10. <clears throat> And he has brought thee, Moses is talking back to the congregation. I'm saving time. I'm not reading 4 to 9. And he, and, and he has brought thee near to him and all the brethren of the sons of Levi with thee. And seek ye the priesthood also? Boy, you talk about a rebuke. We don't understand that in this day, but it applies still today. 
He said, you're wanting to be the high priest just like Aaron and have a part and you want to go in the Holy of Holies and Moses knew if, you walk, if they walked into that Holy of Holies, God strike them dead when they went through the veil. You see, that's not left up to man. Are y'all with me? Turn to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 4. Again, I want you to remember Hebrews is talking about back to the tabernacle. And here it's, it's talking about the office of the high priest in chapter 5. <clears throat> it says in verse 4, And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Moses said, You want to take this honor to yourself? You're wanting this? And God hadn't called you. And he was reminding them, said, you're walking on dangerous ground. When you try to usurp authority over the man that God appointed to be in control, as far as the high priest is concerned, in the leadership of spiritual things in the nation of Israel. Now, was God displeased with that? Was God displeased with that? We better take note, because it's still going on today. Look down in uh, verse 28. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. He's saying, if, if, if God let y'all do this, then I'm a false prophet and you, God's not sent me, but watch. But the Lord made a new thing and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up with all that pertaineth unto them and they go down quick into the pit. Then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord and it came to pass as he had made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder that was under them and the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them and their houses and all the men that pertaineth unto Koran and all their goods. That included Koran, the other two men, and three, 250 men that he solicited to join him in a rebellion against the leadership of God. Was God displeased with that? Absolutely. Do we still have it going on today? We still have it going on today. Uh, you know, God, I, I, I've emphasized this again and again. Everybody in the symbol of the, of the body of Christ, we're all important. We've just been given different places, amen? In our case, Brother Cutshaw's our pastor. If it's not a doctrinal issue, and it's not a violation of biblical principle, and it's not a moral issue, I'm supposed to follow him. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Every now and then he'll ask me, we'll have lunch, and he'll say, Brother Ernest, what do you think about this? I said, I'll tell you what I think about this, Finley. I think you ought to pray about it and do what God wants you to do. And whatever you decide God wants you to do, I'm going to follow you. Do I have to agree? No. But I'm not supposed to criticize or sow discord and get on the telephone and say, I just think this is wrong. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7, Remember them which had the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Now skip down to verse 17. Obey them that had the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable to you. So God has given us a mandate now. Does God place a pastor in a in a the play, the office? Does God place a man in the office of pastor? Absolutely. Ephesians four says God gave some pastors, and by faith we believe that. In our case, I'm bringing it down to us, but it's true all over in any church. God leads men to be a pastor, and God leads a church to call a pastor, and He's there by the will of God. Are there mistakes made? Yeah, there's mistakes made. But if there's a mistake made in calling a man, it's my responsibility to continue to follow my pastor until God corrects a mistake, and God will correct it if it was a mistake. That the congregation, y'all understand? Sure, we're people, we could make a mistake. But God put the obligation, and he told us four things here in this uh, text, basically in Hebrews 13. Uh, he said, acknowledge them. He said, remember them. Acknowledge them that they are the pastor of the church by the will of God. Number two, he said, follow their faith. Follow them. We're to acknowledge them. We're to follow them. Down in verse number 17, support their leadership. He said, obey them that have the rule over you in the Lord. So we're to do three things. And then if you go back to the Old Testament, Psalms chapter 115, verse 5, and this is all on your outline. He said, touch not mine anointing. Yeah. Touch not mine anointing. And boy, you talk about God being displeased with us criticizing the man that he ordained to put in the place of pastor to lead the church because that man has to give it. I don't have to give it a cap in the cut show. Glad for that. He can't even shoot a rifle straight, kill a deer. <laughs> but he's got to give an account for me somewhere, somehow, because he's my pastor. And it's our responsibility to follow their faith. Uh, can they be wrong? Sure they can, but that's God's business. That's not my business. Anybody got any questions? Three serious warnings and admonitions as we leave these contents. There was a warning in that them complaining. There was a warning in them disobeying what they knew was the written word of God, and they did it before the law was even got written and brought to them. <coughs> that pictures our carnality. And then number three, there was a warning that they should not try to intervene and change the pattern that God has set up in the order of worship in the tabernacle. Same thing applies to the local church. God help us to follow the pattern that God gave us. Anybody got any questions? Real quick. Jeff, would you close us in prayer? Let's remember Finley Cutshaw in our service this morning. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for...